This episode is brought to you by Bubs Naturals, and one of the most profound new supplements I've added to my own diet is collagen. And Bubs provides the only collagen that is not only NSF certified, but also Whole30 certified. Now, when we think of collagen, you might think of beauty products, but when ingested, collagen not only positively affects skin, nails, and hair, but also joint and gut health, something that I witnessed personally within myself. Now, I'm also a huge fan of altruistic business, and Bubs was founded out of tragedy. Glenn Bub Doherty was one of the two Navy SEALs killed in Benghazi. And his friends, Sean and TJ, founded this company to not only create great nutritional products, but also take 10% of the proceeds and donate them to charity. So they are offering you, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, 20% off your first purchase if you use the code SHIELD at bubsnaturals.com. And if you want to hear more about the inception of Bubs and Glenn's powerful story, listen to episode 558 of Behind the Shield podcast with Sean Lake. This episode is sponsored by 511, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 511 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. Before we get to that code, I want to highlight a couple of products that, again, I personally use today. One of the most impressive products they just released is their Rush Backpack 2.0. Now, for many of you, whether you're going to the fire station, the police station, whether you're traveling with your family, whether you're taking training courses, we have to fly, we have to drive, we have to take trains. And I have to say, I own multiple backpacks, many of uh, 5.11's different ones, but as far as a day pack, this one was the most impressive. There are so many different compartments. The way it sits on your back is incredibly comfortable. If you are a concealed carry person, there's also a spot for a weapon. So they've thought of multiple, multiple things that a man or woman would have to do on a daily basis. That is in addition to all of the products that I talk about a lot. Their uniforms fit for men or fit for women in the first responder professions. The footwear that they offer, whether it's the Norris sneaker or the Atlas system that is designed for foot health and therefore knees and back and hips and shoulders and neck. As a civilian, I live in a lot of their clothes as well. Their jeans stretch. You can actually squat down in them. We live in Florida here, so I wear a lot of their shorts, which again, very, very lightweight material. You can get it wet and it will dry almost immediately. And then moving to the fitness and tactical space, I used to have just a regular weight vest. Recently, I switched to a 511 vest and actually bought ballistic plates as well. My thinking was simply, if I'm going to have a vest, why not have one that protects me as well? And that TAC vest is trusted by law enforcement all around the country. So I mentioned they were going to offer you a discount code. So if you go to 511tactical.com and enter the code SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5, you'll get 15% off not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. This episode is brought to you by Thorne, and I have some incredible news for any of you that are in the military, first responder, or medical professions. In an effort to give back, Thorne is now offering you an ongoing 35% off each and every one of your purchases of their incredible nutritional solutions. Now, Thorne is the official supplement of CrossFit, the UFC, the Mayo Clinic, the Human Performance Project, and multiple special operations organizations. 
I myself have used them for several years and that is why I brought them on as a sponsor. Some of my favorite products they have are their multivitamin elite, their whey protein, the super EPA, and then most recently, Cinequil. As a firefighter, a stuntman, and a martial artist, I've had my share of brain trauma and sleep deprivation, and Cinequil is their latest brain health supplement. Now, to qualify for the 35% off, go to thorn.com, T-H-O-R-N-E.com. Click on sign in and then create a new account. You will see the opportunity to register as a first responder or member of military. When you click on that, it will take you through verification with GovX. You'll simply choose a profession, provide one piece of documentation, and then you are verified for life. From that point onwards, you will continue to receive 35% off through Thorn. Now, for those of you who don't qualify, there is still the 10% off using the code BTS10, behind the shield 10, for a one-time purchase. Now, to learn more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of the Behind the Shield podcast with Joel Totoro and Wes Barnett. Welcome to the Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome on the show my jiu-jitsu coach, Ken Panagiotakos. Yes, that's a hard name to pronounce. So I've personally trained in multiple schools all over the United States uh, at a very, very basic level, but I did get a very unique perspective. And now I actually travel about a one and a half hour round trip to train at the school in Gainesville, Florida. So we discuss a host of topics from Ken's immigration story from the Philippines, growing up in New York, his journey into the martial arts, his coaching philosophy, and so much more. Before we get to this incredible conversation, as I say every week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every single five-star rating truly does elevate this podcast, making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library for you, planet Earth, of over 600 episodes. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to every single person who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you my coach, Ken. Enjoy. Okay, and I want to start by saying thank you for doing this again. We did this down the road at Whole Foods, and God sent every dump truck and <laughs> ground every iron chair around us. And I tried my best to salvage that conversation, and it was it was unsalvageable. So now we are in. Well, actually, let me ask you. So first, welcome, and secondly, where are we sitting today? Well, before we do that, yes, that was also my fault for the Whole Food scenario. I thought of that nice scenario where to sit, but yes. Now we are at my school. Um, we are at BJJ Swamp Academy. I have tried my best to kick everyone out the door because we are all hooligans and we will make all the noise we can. So there's a few of them back there, but hopefully they'll keep quiet. But we are sitting on the mats and just kind of talking casually, like honestly, like how everyone does after class, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. So... Let's start at the very beginning then. So you have a very interesting immigration story. Mine is not quite as interesting. So tell me where you were born and then tell me a little bit about your family dynamic, what your parents did and how many siblings. All right. So you want the honesty, honesty? Brutally honest. All right. Brutally honest is 
I am the result of a mistress, right? So in the Chinese culture, you're allowed to have a mistress. And, you know, it is what it is, but it's okay. So that was what happened to Philippines. Um, I have a lovely sister as well. Her name is Stephanie. And, you know, we both were raised as normal as normal dictates, right? Um, you know, dad wasn't there, of course, right? Because like I said, the result of a mistress. But um, I was in Philippines. I think I left when I was right seven or eight. I would like to say I was learning Tagalog a little bit, but not too much. Mostly English. Where I was was very English heavy, I would say. So it, was, it wasn't too much of an issue. Um, around seven or eight, my current stepdad, which is, I just call him my dad now, George, um, came to Philippines and fell in love with my mother. Ever since then, they've been together. Yeah, they bicker and fight like every other couple, but hey, you know, what are we going to do? We're not all perfect, right? But um, after that, I left Philippines, and then I brought me to the States. And everyone always, the biggest thing with me right now with everyone about being from Philippines is like, so many people are like, hey, it's beautiful there, you should go there. And I think wherever you live in the world, like if you're born in the Philippines or born here, there's beautiful things where you are, whether or not you realize it or not, or you choose to accept it. There's also dirty and disgusting things as well, even in Philippines, that if you don't live there, you don't understand. You know, I think the term is the grass is always greener on the other side. And I was always content. And the weird, oh, sorry, the tangent from last time was, I didn't know what running water was. Like a faucet was irrelevant to me. You know, central AC was another big thing I forgot to talk about it last time. I was like, I was an, it was called an air conditioning unit. And that's what I called it as a kid. Where's the air con? Air, air con. And then I would see it out of windows. And I think the first time I went to like a real house my parents bought and we're like, this house has no air con? Yeah, and that's how a, a, a little Asian kid says that from Philippines is air con, but it's short for air conditioning. Um, and, and that's when I learned about central air conditioning units. And I was like, oh. And then the running water, I think at seven, where someone just opened a faucet and is like, here, there's water. Now, also the little retard in me, you know, New York City, you know, all the sanitary parks may not be the most, you know, you got, there's just dust, grime, probably piss on the streets, probably piss in the water fountain. We just don't even know yet, right? So a little kid of me is just drinking out of all these little faucets and my mom's like, stop, it's not clean. And I'm like, and I didn't know any better because I was like, oh man, water's coming out of everywhere. I could just drink water wherever I want. And then I had to learn, I'm like, don't drink out of that one. <laughs> That's probably a sign of something really bad. But it was just cute to me growing up of learning like, instead of getting a, a freaking bucket of water from your well and then bringing it home. And, it just, and now you're like, shit, there's just water everywhere. And I, I, I think I'm holding a water bottle in my hand. I actually do not recall. Well, probably I did, but I don't recall, right? I don't recall ever holding a water bottle at seven or anywhere younger, or eight. And when I was in Philippines and knowing what a water bottle was. I don't remember having water bottles when I was little, though. It just came out the tap. Exactly. And all of a sudden, they persuaded us, oh, no, you need to buy it in a plastic bottle that we throw away all the time. Yeah, one of my students hates me because we have a lot of that. We should, I should try my best, Alex. I promise you. <laughs> we'll do our best on, you know, blame Toby. Toby's the one who brings these in. So when you look back, I mean, like you said, there, there were, you know, we, we have so many luxurious amenities in the West. You know, and we're sitting now in air conditioning while it's 100 plus degrees outside the windows. Nice um, view. What do you remember as far as, you know, the other side of it, like the simplicity, the, the happiness, because I mean, it seems like when you look at a lot of less developed countries, yes, there's poverty and you know there's oppression and violence sometimes. But when you look at a lot of the, the 
the villagers there, they seem to find jo- find joy in some of the basic stuff. You know, whoever's listening to this might not like you afterwards, but I really fucking hate people that either go to underdeveloped countries or countries in general and bring either technology or their ability to persuade that, hey, this phone you need, you need this phone. You need you need this technology. You need you need running water. You need this to make yourself happier. And the concept of happier is fucking stupid, in my opinion. I was happy as a kid. Like I, I don't know, man. I go go out my door, go to that berry bush. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I actually don't know what it was, but I was eating it. And I wake <laughs> up and like, hey, that's fruits, right? And then I was just doing it, but I was happy. Like my dictation of happiness was always there, even to when maybe hypothetically there was a flood and we have to go to the third floor of the fucking house because of course the first floor is going to be like flooded right and i don't even know if people understand this in philippines is that sometimes you have to do that like hey there's many floors but that one floor that has no furniture no nothing is 100 percent dictated to when that storm comes that nothing in your house gets destroyed and all the family goes upstairs and you're fine it's, it's kind of silly to think about that but um on that side note like you said I was very happy and people always talk to me about, man, isn't it great that you moved here? And I'm like, yeah, it's great. But I wasn't more or less happier because I was there, right? My happiness wasn't, you know, dictated because of this and that. It was, I was a happy kid. Now, maybe the opportunities that are presented here are better. I would, you know, I'll be honest to say that, right? The opportunity of bettering your life and finding more different people and experiencing more different cultures, I think is really cool. But no way, shape, or form do I want anyone to ever understand that people in these underdeveloped countries or third world countries or in Philippines, I still feel like they're way more fucking happier than way more people I've ever met at more developed countries because it's always like, what's next? I'm now I'm bored. You, you know, human beings, we're all like this, right? I'm fucking bored now of the same bullshit. What's next? Yeah. Well, there's this discomfort of being bored. I had a guy called Michael Easter on who wrote a book called The Comfort Crisis. And he went, just one of his, his kind of adventures. Um, God, there's a, there's a Japanese term that it originally came from, and I'm going to butcher it. It means going on a quest of discomfort. And so he started doing this and he was hunting in Alaska. And he said that was the biggest thing. Yes, it was cold. Yes, they were hungry, but it was the, the boredom. And, you know, we're not used to being bored. I mean, I find myself, I'm just as guilty. You know, I'll be editing and the, the computer will be thinking and I'll just pick up my phone. I have to literally put my phone away so I'm not screwing with my phone. It's because you can't even sit there for five minutes without needing a distraction. And then you conversely look at, like you said, less developed countries and that's what they do. They sit, you know. And I did when I was young on the farm in England. Like my playground was, was the farm. There was no television was okay. or cell phones or anything. I just feel like people look at people like us and they feel sad or whatever. And I get so annoyed at that. I'm like, you have no right to do that. Plus, you shouldn't do that anyway, right? Don't 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 look at us like you can better our lives because you feel like you know better. Um, and what is the, the term is called altruistic? I also could be butchering this term. My English is bad, but I think the term is altruistic of like, hey, it's you know, this is better, that is better. And anyone that wants to better other people's lives, I always feel, you know, this might be cocky for me to say, but anyone that tends to try to better people's lives is either doing two things, is looking to gain something or is trying to fill the void in their life that something has happened to them themselves, which again, is not a bad thing, but you know, just, I'm a very honest person and I'd like to say what it is, but, um, but yeah, I, I, like, I'll be honest, I'm not a 
I used to read. I, I blame my upbringing on this because I think one time I was always reading books and then just one time I didn't read a book and my teacher was like, did you read that book? And I was like, oh shit, either I'm going to get my ass whooped because I'm going to say, yes, I did not read Master. No, I did not read that book and I'm going to go home and get my butt whooped. Or I say yes. And I said yes. And she believed me. And I hate to say it, that was like, that spurred that moment of, oh shit, I don't need to read now. Which is unfortunate because I did love to read. I, I love hardcover books, you know, turning the page, reading the words. I'm a slow reader too. I don't really read fast. Some people like read a page in like 10 seconds and I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm there for like two minutes reading every single word because as a kid from another country, I enjoyed of like, if I saw a word like unfathomable, I'd like go to my dad and be like, hey, what does unfathomable mean? And like, oh, that's so cool. And then I would go back and start reading. But again, let's see, like little stupid joys like that, right? Especially for, I would like to say, you know, I don't even want to say America, everywhere. Anyone that's born more that, hey, reading your ABCs and just reading a page off a fucking book is just just casual, right? To someone that's from me, like I look at that and I'm like, man, I just learned 20 new things. And I'm like, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's something that I've seen in myself that distraction that we were just talking about has removed the ability to sit with a book, be present and read and absorb that. And I find my mind wanders and I have to literally be more diligent with my device, putting it away. I, I meditate in the morning and that clears my mind. And then I build up that ability to read again. But I, I think there's a lot of adults in the Western world that struggle to read because their mind just isn't quiet. Well, that's a good perception. I've always been curious of what makes people not 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 want to read, right? Either it's boredom, or maybe just like, hey, I have no uh, ability to sit down. But I, I, you can, I can see how the perception of their mind is unsettled to the point that they refuse to just settle down and just accept what's coming this way, which is a nice way to think about that. In all honesty, now, so you came over when you were seven, you said. Seven or eight, exactly. Okay. I'm not, so I'm not what 100% was that sure. like coming from, you know, what tropical, beautiful island, the Philippines, but as you said, financially <laughs> not very affluent to, well, firstly, where did you find yourself initially? In, okay. Again, where everyone says like a tropical place, right? I'm like, I'm so, so, you know, when you look at a palm tree and you're not from like a, that area, you're like, that's a palm tree. How cool is that? I just look at the tree and I'm like, oh, it's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, now mind you, all beaches aren't beautiful. I remember my beach was just dirty, like it was just grimy, dirty. The sand's not white. You know, we we look at beaches these days and we're like, oh, look at this white pristine beach, or look at this brown peachy, or oh, actually, I also learned about black sand recently, which is really cool. Um, mine was it just looked like slate dirt. Um, it wasn't real sand. It was just, you know, it, the dirt from the rocks that mashed in together. But no, anyways, long story short, I was going back to Philippine stuff. Um, I never thought it was tropical. I, I will go back one day for family. But when I did move here, I guess one memory that really stands out is the first night I was in a store in New York. I've never had pizza in my life. I'll be honest, never had pizza. I don't even know what pizza was. And the first thing I did, I know I, my dad told me, and I remember too, he was like, I don't want to eat this. <sighs> Please. I don't want to touch it because I was very picky apparently with my food. And he's like, you're going to love it. But I was hungry and I'm like, what am I going to do? Not eat something, right? And especially in Philippines where, you know, like I said, we're not, it's not it's still an underdeveloped country. So whatever food's in front of your face, you're going to eat it, right? You don't have the, you, you don't have the luxury of saying no, which I definitely see a lot of people go, no, I don't want it. I'm like, no, you got to fucking eat it. <laughs> right? So I ate it. Found love with it. It was my first pepperoni slice. Um, I also had a white slice, which is still currently my 
favorite slice to this day. Um, it's a mixture of a bunch of cheeses, and holy shit, it's delicious. Probably not good for my gout. FYI, everybody, don't get gout at a young age. It sucks. I think it's hereditary. I blame my mother. I love you, Mom. Um, but yeah, it was my first white slice, and then I fell in love, and then I swear to God, I can just remember every time now, growing up in New York, I, we would go to the grocery store, and I'm like, can I just get like the pack of pepperoni? And I'd be that weird kid that put it on a plate, put a little cheese on each one, and I would just eat it, not knowing how bad it is, right? I'm like, all right, whatever. It's just, you know, kid's doing what he's doing. And, you know, kids' digestive systems are like bang, 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 bang. But um, it was, I want to say it wasn't too much of a change of shift from coming here. I was so either oblivious or so enamored with so many things that I haven't really settled into a, let's say a comfort, right? So being in Philippines, everything was new stimuli. You know, I was on a mountain. So like, man, every step, like you got to be careful where you step. You can't just run away. You know, you there, my, my play yard was a freaking junkyard. So that's still got to be careful, right? So when I, when I moved here um, in New York City, it was just all fucking cement. Cement, maybe one tree every <laughs> 30 feet or I don't know. It was a, it was a tree. I don't know. Um, but it, the, re, the biggest change really was school. Um, my life wasn't different, right? I was a kid just listening to parents like, here's your food, eat the food, go to school, come back, do your homework, shower, keep yourself busy, right? I, I think my mind was still too young to comprehend or wrap around conceptions of whatever life. Um, my biggest thing was school. And here's the kicker. My dad, my first day of school, my dad was like, hey, when the bell rings, you can go home. And that, that's all I remembered, right? I'm like, all right, cool. The bell rings, I go home. I go to my first class, the bell rings. I like, all right, I'm going home. I walk out the front door. The police guy was like, where are you going, kid? And I'm like, I'm going home. I really want to go home. Um, also, for any of the viewers, I, I'm very hand gestury kind, so moving my hands a lot. Um, but anyways, and he's like, no, no, go to your next class. I was like, what? No, my dad says, when the bell rings, I go home. And I was really adamant about it. <laughs> and I swear to God. So I, ha I got sent to the dean's uh, or principal's office. And then they found me my schedule. And they're like, here's your schedule. And I looked at that. And then I started piecing things together. And then I went to my next class. And the bell rang again. And I tried to walk out the door. And he's like, no, no, no. Follow your schedule. Plus, <laughs> because honestly, I didn't know what a fucking schedule was. Everyone, they gave me this piece of paper. Plus, I don't read English that well yet. And I'm like, what's, I think I asked, what's a schedule? I'm like, oh, sorry, not a schedule. I said, what is this? And they're like, this is where you go. And this number right here is where you go. So I'm like, I'm not used to that. So I see this number and I look on the doors and I'm like, hmm. And I'll, long story short, I'm, I'm still an idiot, right? So three room 300 means third floor. Room 200 means second floor. Room 100 means first floor. And I swear to God, I was late to every class. As I'm walking up and down these steps until I process like, oh, that's floor one, floor two, floor three. And the numbers go up and down. But, you know, do you see now like where I came from? I'm like, it was so simple where you're like, hey, in, in my school and back in Philippines, the teacher puts you in a line and then they walk you to your next class. I was like, cool, we're going to walk and follow and waddle. And now it's like, hey, good luck, um, which is fine. But you can see how that ended up. And I would like to say, I think either that first week was my first school fight. I have no idea why it happened. I think we were playing ball. And I took, the kid took the ball from my hand and my only resort was to bite him. 
I have no idea why I did that. Um, long story short, he became my good friend afterwards, though. His name was Joseph. Um, but I did. I got in trouble again, and I was like, why did I bite? And then I did the most silliest thing. I, I ran away. Now we're in a school courtyard. Where the hell am I running to? Right, it's enclosed. All the teachers are there. So I just remember vividly running in a circle, only to end up back to that kid. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? But, you know, these thoughts now of looking back is weirdly awesome. Um, I would like to say the introduction of different food was awesome. I, I am a big fatty. I will eat everything. <laughs> we were just uh, having that discussion before we started recording. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Spam. It was spam and Vienna sausages all day. And, oh, on that side note, I always thought like, hey, Spam and Vienna sausage. I think I talked to a few people here in the school about it. And I was like, growing up as a kid, that was my food, right? Because we didn't have a lot of money. Now, my mom never said we don't have a lot of money. My mom just said, here's the food. So I would cook the food, eat the food. And then when people would be around me and then be like, you know, that's like poor people food. Or that's like, hey, that's not good food for you, you know. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's just food. Like, there's no and then now the specific thought process of like now this is what I also mean you don't have to pinpoint at someone and be like that's poor food right that like if someone has a fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwich and then someone has this fucking five course meal because their parents fucking made it for them or bought it for them you don't go out of your way and point out and be like yo that's not that's bad you know that's poor people Make food fun of your lunch. yeah and I was just like come on man it's just food well you know, we just came from another country and we probably didn't have a lot of money. I know when I first moved in here, it was like a one-bedroom apartment with two kids running on the third because that's when my brother was born in the 2000s. And I'm like, man, that was like, it wasn't bad because again, I was a kid, right? To me, family was tight. Um, you don't have your own room. You, your parents always know where you are. And my mom, my family is weird. If we're, if one of us are in the living room, we all start gravitating towards the fucking living room. If one of us is in the kitchen, we all gravitate towards the kitchen. We never like to be alone, which was really cool and that's one thing I did enjoy as a, as a kid, but no, I think those are pretty much the biggest. Uh, was school, how home was fine, right? There's nothing different there. Just like here's your house, here's the place you stay. I would like to say I actually would like to admit that the houses felt better, right? Because I I don't know if it was cinder block or whatever, whatever they built my house was. It's called typhoons. I think it feel, and here it's hurricanes and Philippines it's called typhoons. When a typhoon hits, part of your house is broken. They built the fuck back up. And I thought that was normal. And now there's a storm and I'm like, the house isn't broken. That's weird. Right? Or I think the first time I was in a car and the storm hit and then I literally watched the water right in front of my door. I'd literally be so scared because I was taught to be scared of high water. That's what philippines was like any high water either it's dangerous and no one really explained it, it just said dangerous but now as an adult i understand electrical currents and all those other stuff or there's you know there could be different manners of like uh sharp objects in that water and we don't know and we're just now we're cutting ourselves in this murky ass water and now we're gonna get infected so now every time i see high water i'm just innately like uh, i don't want to be there I am still scared. I, I, I do paddle. For any of the viewers that know, I love paddle boarding. I have a big rule to myself. I don't fucking jump in the water if I can't see through the water. I also take my paddle and dip it all the way down. As long as that thing touches, we're peachy. If it doesn't touch, I'm saying, fuck it. Why am I here? Uh, too deep. <laughs> too deep. Well, you mentioned George, your stepdad. So talk to me about um, his background in martial arts and then when he started training you. Oof. Okay. I'm not. 
too solidified on this info about before me. So I'm kind of going off what he's talked about, which this is actually a good question. I should actually ask them about what he's done. Um, so, but he, I know he did Muay Thai. He did Muay Thai and a lot of striking, like a lot, a lot of striking to the point that the pads over there to the top right of that door are his pads. The Muay Thai pads to the back in the wall are also his. And also goes to show you the quality of uh, things. Those things stood the test of times. I have bought some new Muay Thai pads and they fucking died in less than a year. But these things, I don't know, full leather and shit. Um, anyways, look, again, again, going off on tangents. Um, he did Muay Thai, did a lot of striking. He started doing a little BJJ, but it wasn't called Jiu-Jitsu. It was just called grappling um, before then. Jiu-Jitsu wasn't a thing. I, I don't know if that was when pride and other things started happening like the early 90s i think so yeah um but he was so into martial arts he loved it um he was very competitive as well and you know that's pretty much what i remember from him all i know is i literally have all his striking gear to me it's like a nice fucking family heirloom i I love it also he did a screamer very heavy um that's something that i was also pushed into uh now for everyone that thinks of a screamer if you've ever done taekwondo or other things like that no this was like fucking real escrima to the point that your gear is hockey gloves and a kendo mask and why that's true is because that that bamboo stick when they hit your head that guy or girl is going 100% speed and my dad was going 100% speed and if you didn't have that kendo mask you got brain damage you're gonna get a concussion and those hockey mat those hockey gloves cover your fingers because exactly in hockey they you know you've seen hockey people they'll take the stick and whack you with it and that was exactly what we're doing so if you didn't have any of those two attires it is dangerous like i my dad would not we're like we're not sparring if we don't have this it's just not it's just not good it's not safe um and then i think from new york that's when we did heavy escrima heavy jeet kundo um i was lucky enough and this is test to my dad thank god he always made me train with the best um i don't know if he intentionally did that or that's what just he always like suck out for me so is that a word suck sought maybe sought, there you go sought, mm. sought, sought, there you go see english sought out um dan Asanto was my escrima instructor and top number one in the world fucking at that time and still people look up to him and I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I just thought he's a Filipino guy showing stuff, right? He's someone I'm still working on trying to get on the show. He is. Oh, man. He travels a lot at this point. I think he's, I don't think he really has a home base, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I know his, his home gym was California. And then, because I went and did a Carly masterclass with him. I mean, I was brand new, but yeah. um, in Jacksonville. So he was traveling then too. But I don't know if COVID kind of shut that down for a while. But yeah, he's one of my, I'd say, dream guest just because please do me a favor when you do it one day i'm just gonna give you my picture of him as me when i was like a fat little kid <laughs> and it's me next to him and just be like hey do you remember this kid and if you don't remember it, it was totally fine but i'd be like yo this kid a long time ago um the, the seminars i went to him though were really cool i would just to kind of verify about don santo there was this guy that would just carry a box of pens and you know what he'd do? He doesn't even, he's like i don't even carry a weapon you know why i have a box of pens is that when i stab you with that pen i leave it in there I just, I could pull another pen and stab you and then stab you and then stab you and then stab you. And it's very unassuming because it's just a pen. And I'm like, just the maliciousness of that thought process was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> I don't have to look for a knife. There's weapons all around us. And as long as you comprehend that you can use it, you're gold. And I, I, I appreciated that. I, I really did appreciate learning how to use a knife and a stick. I think this generation now uses a fucking, well, now there's electrified daggers. 
and a whip. I don't know when the whip was introduced, but I was just researching some stuff, and now they use a whip. So it's like two sticks. Carly's kinky phase that they went through. That's <laughs> <laughs> Carly's kinky phase. I, I don't even whip and handcuffs. <laughs> I, you know, it's so bad. I, you know, there's. I think the generations still do it, where it's called the gathering of the pact. They get together and fight, but yeah, it's not. It's not my thing anymore. Um, it's now cool. Those, those are tradition. Obviously, traditionally, they, the, the origin of those are the Philippines. Was there any connection with your dad studying those and him? you know, having Filipino family? I feel that him going to Philipp... Let's put it this way, man. As a human being, people always... I don't want to use the word kink, but let's just say it. what turns you on. You know, you have a general feeling towards a culture, a person. And I hate when people are like, oh, you're shallow. I'm like, people aren't shallow. People want what they want and it's okay. Give them what they... Not, not give them what they want. That's a bad word. Don't say that. When people want something, no one has any fucking right to tell them... No, they can't do that because everyone has their own shit they like. Unless right? it's children. Yes, that, yeah. yeah, fuck that. Yes, 100%. Let's, just, let's draw that line for a second. No, no, my bad, my bad. Yep, no, there's a lot of shit going on in the world, and that is 100% a topic I will agree on. Don't do that. Bad people. Bad, bad, bad. But um, I, I just didn't want to say, like, you know, kink or uh, what's the word called? Fetish for someone. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I'm pretty sure my dad loved martial arts and loved the screamer and then loved the Filipino culture. He loved the food. Um, only white guy I've ever seen to go for a, it's, it's not bungos. There's a type of fish. It's a, it's called smelly fish that my dad to this day, when I watch him with my mom, like dig into this smelly ass fish and it's, it, when it's really smelly, like it reeks the whole fucking house. And I'm like, you're eating this and eats eyeballs. And, and I remember him doing that the first time he met my mom. And I'm pretty sure my mom was like, dang, that's like, (laughs) this is an unnatural thing to see like a, a white person eat this food because this is like superiorly Filipino. Mm-hmm. Um, My wife's, as you know, half Filipino. So she oh, no takes shit. me I, in the I did stores. Not, I thought she was, okay. I did yeah, not know that. She's half, um, so, you know, she cooks a lot of Filipino food, but yeah, some of the weird and wonderful stuff. I wouldn't be <laughs> like your dad. Like, I'm the kind of guy that if a milk is, you know, a thing of milk is a day past a date, I'm not going to drink it anymore. I'm that guy. I would fail Fear Factor, not on the stunts, but purely on the eating challenges. Has she eaten an eyeball yet? I don't know if she, she's eating quite a lot, but uh, um, I don't know. I think that was when she was younger, but she's been exposed to a lot of those, have including had, the stinky fish. That you have you had about. Dina Gowan? Tell me what that is. Dina Gowan is pig's blood with, uh, I would like to say sometimes it's intestines, but um, it's like pig meat inside. So it, was, it looks like black soup. Delicious. Don't ever tell whoever's eating it what it is right away because they'll love it. It's just over rice is, to me, Dina Gowan. And then beefsteak, which I have codenamed Beefsteak Sabao. Apparently my mom, long story short, for 32 years now, at 31 years old, my mom finally fixed my terminology of uh, beefsteak sabao because it was my favorite dish. And she told me there's no sabao. And I was like, no, you've always told me it's called beefsteak sabao. So for years, I would go to Filipino restaurants and, and that's why they gave me the side eye. They're like, hey man, I want beefsteak sabao. And they're like, we don't have that. I was like, be, be, yeah, mom makes beef steak. So I don't know. Long story short, I found out the oil, all the oil that was used to cook this beef became the sabao. Sabao is just code word for soup or like a like a, a soup base. And my dumbass, because that's how fat I was, I'm still fat, I called it sabao because I just wanted all the goddamn oil on the rice. Now as an adult looking back, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> that's why I'm big. Because <laughs> I like that. Um, but yes, it's called beef steak. Uh, for anyone that's not Filipino, it's just called beef steak, not sabao. 
please don't ever put this about. Um, but yeah, no, I think my dad's love for the Filipino culture has always been there. Um, another big thing is that, you know, hey, he met my mom with two kids. That guy has never, ever, ever, ever like made me feel like less of a son. Never made me feel less wanted. Always was constantly reaffirmative with the whole hey, which I still remember to this day, um, his specific words. And I don't understand why he did it, whether it was indirectly or intentionally. He's like, hey, you're beautiful, you're smart, and you have a great heart. And he would just say that over and over. And now I'm an adult and I'm wondering why. He, you know, this is another question why I've never asked him. I was like, why do you, you always say you're beautiful, you're smart, and you have a great heart? It's a beautiful affirmation, though. I, again, there's a lot of things he did that I don't understand, and I don't have to. I'll be honest. I never have to. Who cares, right? I don't have to understand why he does things. He was a dad. He was there for me. <laughs> drove me to school. Drove me to jujitsu. Drove me to, you know, made me be more of a man than, I'll be honest, like I could have been or was because I wasn't really at all. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, I I appreciate him a lot. I really do. And I am a result of what he's done, which is good. Um, a lot of people tend to look at the parents and be like, my parents did this and my parents did that. And to me, I hate that. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's not, you know, maybe that there's some reason for it. You know, maybe your parents hit you or they're abusive, you know, and maybe your mother just yelled at you and spanked you for no reason because she had anger and rage. You know, everyone has reasons to why and we forget uh, I think that the term is a, a parent is a parent once and they don't got a chance to practice even if they do practice right it is a whole new kid you don't know if this kid's going to respond the same way you don't have an idea if this kid is going to turn totally different so it's parenting is just which I am scarily in the future process as I'm getting older I'm like well I guess it is time and everyone in the school is like Ken why aren't you having one yet and I'm like look man eventually we will get to it, but I think right now we're not yet there. Almost there. But as a guy too, I'm like, hmm, I don't have a spawn yet either. Is this a good thing? <laughs> a spawn. A spawn yet. Is it a good <laughs> thing or a bad thing? Um, because my ex, I dated her and I, I fell in love with her too, but she didn't want a kid. But that's how I grew up was wanting a family, right? So it's it's weird to say that I had to I had a confliction of, can you love someone without having a family or is having a family something I actually wanted? Or is that something that was just predetermined genetically as like, go have a family and a kid, you know, and you have to really assess the situation of, is this you? Do you want this? Or is this just what the world says, right? As usual, you know, it's not easy. Um, and it kind of scares me a little bit. Not, not that I can't do it. But just the what ifs, you know, the what if I fucked it up one time, the what if if I said something too wrong and they perceived it wrong and now scarred them for life. Right. And you're like, holy fuck, like it's like a ticking time bomb. I find that the one thing that I kind of clung to and I, I got to credit, um, there was a lady of sadly she passed away from cancer, but she wrote a book called The Baby Whisperer. It was super like middle of the road, common sense parenting in those early times. But then as we went through it really came down to one question. Are, are you teaching your child to be kind? So even you know, behavior problems and selfishness and not be able to share, all that stuff, is it kind? And if you just ask that question, I'm not saying I ended up being a great parent. I mean, you know, I had one shot as well. And I did the best I could. Um, and the same with, with being a stepdad as well. But ultimately, as well. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, but ultimately that's it. Like, I think sometimes people overcomplicate it. If, if you can create a child that's strong and kind and compassionate, those are the two, you know, two real traits that you're, you're kind of moving towards. And if you deviate from that with yourself or with your child, it's time to rein it back in. And will, you know, would you have done it perfectly? Absolutely not. But would you have created a, a, a young human that's going to add to society? Versus take away, hopefully. Now, upon that adding to society, so my school, I always felt was, like, Gainesville's a small town. It's not small. It's growing. But I always felt like my mom made me realize, like, you found your purpose. I'm like, hey, I created a second home for people that want to be here, you know, improve on yourself, your life, your quality of life, and... If you have a kid and they want to join you here, there's a lot of people with the kids here that train here and it's super fucking awesome just watching them grow because that's how I grew up. I grew up in that jujitsu community of like, yeah, Ken's here, but also I didn't look at the other men and women in the room as uncle or what a mom and dad, but they treated me no differently. They treated me like, hey, I was the kid. They, they all took care of me and it was really cool to see different walks of life. Like, when the hell do you see a lawyer a doctor, a college student, maybe a McDonald's worker. Who the fuck ever? You know, I got a lot of walks in life in my school, like different qualities of life, jobs, meanings or why they're here. And everyone is super cool. You know, I will, I'll be honest that maybe there was at least two people in the span of my six years now that I have reluctantly said, hey, please don't be here because not, no, you don't be here, but you would change the quality of how the school is going. Yeah. I know one of them fixed themselves. The other one is I had to say something, but I think it's so cool that there's so many cool people like that around here that just consistently vibe with each other. Because again, I, I do agree on the whole tribalistic stuff where, you know, you can't be friends with everyone. It really, it's not like that. And maybe you can associate yourself with others, but the whole friendship and communicating and trusting one's other's life and ability to make one else better. I don't think everyone ha needs to have that opportunity with everyone else because sometimes people are just using other people. But that's just, you know, that's my opinion on that. Um, now, oh, something I've been wanting to talk to you about of, because you, because you brought it up and what the fuck is wrong with the world these days with the whole kid stuff of like, like wanting kids. Um, I know you said, no, no, you, you can like whatever you want and love, but like the whole, pedophilia bullshit what do they call it these days there's yeah. a there's a term for this right i learned i some what is the term well there's uh, pedophilia is what it's known as but yes. there's, there's even like a politically correct term there I is forget, what like, the fuck is that word was it you young attracted or young addicted or something i don't know i am sorry that i actually have to pull my phone up because i want to know uh what that word is because it's i don't understand and then there's a vi there's a thing on netflix that people were complaining about how it was literally explaining pedophilia as a as a okay thing and i was like what the fuck well i've had quite a few psychologists on the show and you know when you look at addiction domestic violence i mean all these other things that cause pain in the world you know more often than not there's an element of childhood trauma but every single one of these when i asked them well, what about sexual predators they're like, no, that's that's a different, entire, broken human being. So, you know, some of them may have okay. trauma as well. But, yeah, I mean, when they look at the wiring or the brain chemistry of some of those individuals, it's just 
completely different so i mean i haven't really explored it deeply and maybe i need to get a, an expert on the show but yeah so you know that's that's a group of people that needs to be isolated from the rest of the the community it just you know it has to happen i don't know my oh, there you go minor attracted person there we go that's it minor so what the different names same exact problem so i totally forgot about it but i looked it up i was like damn i still have the same feeling about mm-hmm. it when i read yeah <laughs> So, yeah, but I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's what we're suffering from. You're, you're pigeonholing everyone. And then when you pigeonhole them, you label them, then people get offended by the label that you're giving. I mean, perfect example, you know, the, the, um, the transgender, you know, community, the, the men to women and men, women to men, like 99% population never had an issue with that. But now 100%. it's being forced, you know, in front of everyone most of whom were fine with it before. And then, but then you have this crossing of the line where now you're in combat sports yep. and you've got female athletes getting brutalized by what used to be a male. And I totally understand the transgender element. But yeah. in my opinion, you know, in that whole thing, there should be two more divisions transition from male to female, transition from female to be. male. And just like we do with, with other areas where, you know, whether it's the adaptive community or whatever it is, you know, you, it's okay to create more you know, roots for athletes to have fair competition against each other. No, I, I think, what is it? The swimmer girl, swimmer, swimmer girl, swimmer guy, right? That was his name that they finally banned him from yeah. participating well, I mean, at that transition to a woman. So I guess it's, it's, it's a, she, but, um, she is a, she man. Look, but. so, you know, what's funny. I think, uh, I, I hate politically correct terms, not because I hate them. It's because here's a, here's a cool fact about me. People call me chink. They call me Chinese. They call me slanted eyes. They call me gook. They call me all different terms of mannerisms. And this is kind of part, uh, maybe not being from the States. I didn't actually know what those terms were. So when someone said it to me and people told me I should take offense to it, and I'm like, mm. and even when I didn't l- realize the term and learn the term, I still went, okay. Right? Why? And, and, you know, who was there? No one was, no one was there to either back me up or say more supportive, like, you shouldn't do that. But I also didn't see the need to say, yeah, it's not politically correct. You shouldn't call me chink or chino or whatever, you know, whatever the term was they called me. Cause I never felt bad. I, you know, I, I don't know, like, <laughs> I guess I was weirdly one of those people that were able to disconnect myself from certain things of words but you know what i mean it's not the same there's some people where you might say other words to other people and then they're just blown up into proportion and i'm like hey i just had this guy to my right just call me a freaking gook and i'm like okay yeah fine you might deem it not nice or whatever but i'm okay with it that's what he needs to do it goes back to this if you need to do that fine but on that flip note it just seems like there's more and more need to be more politically correct for everyone because everyone's feelings are getting hurt. I'm one of those people that say my feelings were hurt. Maybe just a tiny bit, but I'm okay. I'm, I didn't need to fix someone. I didn't need to tell you to fix yourself. Well, you take away the power as well. I mean, it's, they talk about that a lot. You know, it's it's not what happens to you; it's how you react to it. Yes. So when you allow, I told Ty this: if I 
reacted to every asshole driver, I would have no hands left from punching people <laughs> in the face, you know? So, I mean, you take a step back and you're like, yeah, you're empowering the shitbag by responding to what they've said. And I get it, of course. Some people are horrible and they say horrible things. But, and even with words, I tell Ty this, you know, Ty it's also Filipino, intention. Right? Hmm? He's not Filipino, right? Um, no, he's he's got Native American blood a few generations back. Okay, that's um, the other boy, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, Ethan's half Filipino, yeah. Um, well, he'd be core. Um, but, you know, I'm like, it's about intention. So when, for example, you if you could look into a firehouse and you hear all the banter that's going back and forth and it will be, you know, racial and all kinds of different things, there's no ill will at all. So it's also the intention. If you're with a group exactly. of friends and your friend calls you one of those those words and you know he's not trying to be a dick, that's very, very different than someone that's trying to start a fight by using a word Let's with use you. the word hate. You don't mm-hmm. need to spread hate. Like mm-hmm. I just growing up as a kid, you hear, you know, maybe the N word or the or the I don't just all these other words. But it was never used with hate. And I would you know, this is no better, well, this is unfortunate, but never better said, is my dad grew up actually in that era where there was kind of still segregation in school. And, you know, he would call people different things and different names. And as a growing up, I also never perceived that as something bad. But now as I got older and everyone's like, oh, that's bad. You know, your dad shouldn't say that. My dad has had friends of all walks of life and has respected all of them and has never once hated anyone for it but since he did grow up in that era that was the terminology that was used right it wasn't used to pin you know maybe maybe some people used it for bad words They're like oh you are that 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 but i don't he's never ever made me ever feel like less of myself right again it goes back to that thing of that man has never made me feel not wanted or loved or racially bigoted Maybe we'll use that term, racially bigoted. I, I could definitely say growing up, though, in in school, I have never been... Oh, I definitely have been racially profiled. I've been made fun of for being Asian. And again, it goes back to that. I didn't give them power to act more. You know, and I ended up becoming senior class president of my high school after so many people making fun of me. And I'm like, and what? Right? What? And it's easier said than done because it's so weird in this generation that even teaching kids these days for jiu-jitsu, a lot of times they're hurt from the words right away. And I've realized in my jiu-jitsu class, sometimes, again, my term, like how you have to, how you word it, right? You can make, you can jostle or play around with the kids, but it needs to be in a friendly, happy term. So their perception of it is like, oh, we're not being mean. We're just joking. <laughs> you know, and I think that this day in this generation is not as understood anymore. Um, and I don't know why. Maybe some kind of disconnect or maybe with all these masks covering our face, we can't mm. see how we smile anymore. Well, and people being told that they should be, like you said, they should be offended by all these things and they yes, should be triggered. You should be, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Any the People are saying you should, you should, you should, you should, you should. I just talked to someone actually in the school about, um, I'm not going to say names anyways, but we talked about it and he thinks a lot, right? Maybe a little bit OCD or just, you know, just the brain process is just fucking thinking a hundred light years. And he told me that people said it's not okay. So he does something about it. 
And he's like, this just slows my mind. And I'm like, but why? That's how you think. That's how you're wired. That's who you are. Not because the world says something. Now you have to do something to slow your fucking brain down. Are you happy? Because literally what you're doing is you're covering yourself. And I, I had that conversation with him. And it was nice to talk to him about it because I'm like, well, shit, you're still not happy with who you are, right? So the whole thing of the population of these growing people, this current generation of, you know, don't do this, that's not good, blah, blah, blah. And it's just mostly reinforced now through technology and internet and just everything we do. So instead of like hearing it once because you only read a newspaper and you don't ever read it again, but now you're constantly bothered by this information of what's good and bad, now you are putting yourself more into a bubble of, because again, as your kid growing up, you want to please people. It's just normal. You know what I mean? You want to be part of society and however society is looking like it dictates. And, you know, that talk with him made me realize I've literally blown the curve of that. Every time I hear someone say, do this, I'm like, fucking why? Or someone tells me how to run my business and they're like, hey man, everyone should be in a contract. Everyone should be same prices. And then... um what is what do you call this? Oh, they need to buy your keys and all that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not that kind of business owner. I want you guys to wear what you want. I want to see the representation of you. You know, I think uh, I've really come to this conclusion that Brazilian, the way I the way I teach Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, is you dictate your own iteration of it, not me imposing myself on you. But eventually, you're gonna find. However you deem jiu-jitsu for you to be your own iteration. Whether or not you just want to be here and talk and socialize. Whether you want to be a fucking champion, you want to go win all these belts and stuff, awesome. Or you just want to be that casual guy that comes into class, chills, gets to work out, you know, maybe escapes your wife or husband, you know, just for a little bit for like 30 minutes. Or the kids, you know, like, hey, take care of the kids. Hey, that's cool too. But I think, again, in this days of what I constantly fight with people in this community not not this community in general but just in general jiu-jitsu what i feel people look up to other people or just like the best of the people and like we all have to be there like him and i'm like fuck no you don't you got a he, he's got three kids you got a nine to five fucking job you have what you got no car there's a guy here that trains with me got no car he jogs here james freaking a mile and a half back and forth he's sweaty as hell but comes in here with a fucking smile on his face and to me that is so fucking cool sometimes i see him on the road i'm like yo you want to ride he's like nah i'm gonna jog i was like shit all right man all right go for it go for it got it but you know i always tell him like yo you need that ride i'm always gonna be stop by i'll pick you up and drop you off i got you you know I'm, I'm i always pass by your street but um but anyways like i said i don't think people don't let their personality come out anymore and that's why i've concluded that i love having people's own iteration and i really try my best to listen to the school and if i hear people say you should do this or you should do that i'm like stop no don't do that if this is how he likes to do the move fuck it if he wants to mess up fuck it leave him alone we've told him the info if he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want to do it that way that's how they like to do it. Or they look at a move and you share an info and you're like, I can't do that. Or, ah, nah, I like the way I do it. Then cool. Who cares? And I see people get so fucking angry, James, at that. And they're like, but you should do it this way because it's better. And I look at them and I'm like, but why? Why? And it, it, I swear to God, I look at those people and it just, their minds are like blown that like, 
this guy just doesn't understand. I'm like, oh no, I 100% understand. What I see in you is what I love to know about how society is run. And I love being so against that curve of how people perceive things because you're so unhappy for no fucking reason. <laughs> and especially at me, I'm like, I don't do nothing. I'm just, you also who asked you to help me. Thank you though. Well, speaking of jujitsu then, let's walk through your journey as a student initially. And then as an interesting story for the actual school that we're sitting in now too. So. Oh, okay. Well, jiu-jitsu journey again started with, it was progressive martial arts. I remember we started with like Don and Asanto and all this cream and stuff. Um, again, it was just called grappling. So we do like stick fighting or Muay Thai and then we would do like end round grappling, which kind of pissed me off because we didn't even learn anything of grappling. They just said, hey, fight each other. And again, um, from the last uh, talk, there was a girl named Athena. Lovely girl. I don't even know where she is these days, but I just know that when I went to class and Athena was in class, I don't know if the coaches that day would be like, yo, 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 we're going to put Ken and Athena together. And Athena's going to whoop his ass. And I'm like, dang it. Um, but I also too didn't know any much info, but I was just as a kid, like, dang it, I'm going to get beat by a girl again, which, hey man, props to all jujitsu girls. Props to all you guys. I much love. Keep them going. Um, but yeah, I would get my ass whooped. Nice little fun memory every day. And then I, when we left New York, uh, we didn't really do too much there. Like I said, it was just more of the striking and the scream and stuff. And then we went down here to South Florida and there was no, there's nothing like that down here. So that's when we ran into Pablo Popovich, which was actually George Popovich of that time. It was his school. Um, this before Pablo beat Marcelo and became world known. And it's just this little shithole school. I swear to God, maybe half the size of my school. The mats falling down, a little dilapidated. Just a little weird-ass sticker logo on the back. And a guy that was teaching me jiu-jitsu. And this was before words. Like, So let's just say, like, you know, someone's like, hey, this is worm guard. This is butterfly sweep. These are hooks. None of these things were labeled back then, right? I think I was in that generation, too, where Delahiva got created. Like, it was like two, three, you know, it was like three, four years. Four years down the line, and then Delahiva got created. And everyone's like, whoa, what is this? Um... But yeah, from that little school, it grew. And then Pablo did great. He won against Marcelo and the school grew more. And then the culture came about. I know Kevin Albertini, uh, Jay Moncayo, Fred Moncayo, Wagner Roca, um, even more people, Bill Barnett. Um, I also, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was Jeff Munson, big white dude, tattoos all over. Yes. And maybe I, I think. fought in the UFC? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, all these guys were all training with Pablo, getting their black belt from him. And back then, again, these were just people. And it's cool now knowing that, like, again, remember I told you, like, indirectly, my dad put me in a position where these people became the best in the world. And now I know these people. And hey, and if Wagner ever listens to this, thank you, Wagner Oroka, man. You always help me out with my school, my, my, my students, and you're super fucking nice to everyone that comes through your way. That is from my school, and man, I appreciate you. Even Kevin Albertini, anyone from the Pablo generation. Kevin Albertini, also super awesome on this. But anyone, again, that was Pablo's students, and they're a black belt now, they have their own school. Every one of those guys remember me as like, yo, that's Kenny. That's like, that was Kenny the kid, the first kid of the school. And no matter who I who I send or bring there, I was like, yo, all your guys, we got you, no matter what. And this is why sometimes like I, I, we go down to train every once every, uh, three times a year. I, I make it a rule now. Then I take a, a crew of you guys or just me or whoever wants to come. We're going to go through all the schools, bang, bang, bang in one day. Oh yeah, it's taxing, <laughs> but it's worth it. 
you get to connect to my guys and you get to meet the people I grew up with. And now these guys are like world champions. And it's so weirdly cool to see that. But I also don't treat them any different. I'm not like, ah, I'm like, oh, it's Kevin. He's going to whoop my ass. You guys can watch. Or last round, hey, I'm I'm everyone roll with Wagner. And then everyone was like, I just, I could feel everyone's eyes watching. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm going to get my ass whipped. <laughs> and you all are going to see it. I'm like, that's the, that's the price you guys get for coming down to South to train with me. Um, but yeah. Anyways, I did my best, man. It, it, again, my own iteration is, I, I'm a small guy. And to me, I always tell myself of, yeah, you know, I might not be able to beat you, but man, I'm going to make sure you remember my name, right? Last thing you want to do is like, oh man, that's a good match to pick you up. And then two weeks later, like, yeah, yeah, what's your name again? And you're like, fuck, damn, I didn't leave an impression. I need to leave an impression somehow. So my always job is if I can't beat you, I've got to make sure you remember my name. Or I I squeeze your hand and be like, this is Ken. (laughs) So what I noticed you know, I, I started off the first ex- exposure to jujitsu I had was shootbox, which was. Pr- what is shootboxing? And I'm sorry, I, I, you talked about this, but I never, I Silva and, and all the Brazilian Muay Thai guys from the UFC. Uh, like a couple of years into the UFC, when they started coming up, so Shogun Hua, um, Ninja Hua, uh, Vanderlei Silva, all those guys. I think um, Anderson Silva even came up through shootbox too fight club mentality they just would okay, just that kind of, okay. beat the shit out of each other <laughs> yeah. and i was part of that for about a year which is probably why i got the memory problems that i do today um but it wasn't you, you'd learn a little bit but you just roll and like you were saying you'd be rolling and not really knowing what you were doing is that what i probably was doing with yeah. boxing? and they're just like yo we didn't show you anything but like just go at it and exactly I was like, okay so I'd, I'd have like black belts have me in the crucifix and they're punching me in the face and i have two black eyes and they're like get out of it and I'm like, i can't you haven't shown me how and you're a black belt <laughs> but anyway so that was my first exposure then um Fast forward quite a long time, I went to the jungle in Orlando, amazing job, amazing gym with Mike Lee, but I was a fireman, so I'm on shift, and as same as shootbox, you're trying to do that around all these shifts, and you haven't slept, and not conducive to, to learning, so then when I transitioned out, I wasn't in Orlando anymore to train with Mike, I was up back in Ocala, so I was really trying to find a good gym, and I went to some gyms, and you know, it's just finding the right fit for you, but what I found here was not only that tribe like you walked in and you could tell this was a a family in here like everyone was a community there was a very kind of low intensity element to the rolling and the tuition but yet you guys were doing extremely well in all the tournaments and then as you said you know you're a smaller you're filipino background um and yet you've got you know giant wrestlers in here too and i started seeing that the way you taught wasn't this is the way you do this move, which I'd seen in some of the other ones prior to this, but it was, all right, well, if you're built like me, this this is probably going to you know be the way to do it. But if your arms are longer or shorter or you're heavier or you're thinner, and I hadn't really seen that a lot. Mike, I'm sure, again, was was versed in that, but some of the other ones, I hadn't seen that. So what gave you that perspective to kind of really widen your lens when, for example... You go to jiu-jitsu school with a guy who's a gorilla as a teacher. He teaches the way that he rolls rather than understanding all the that's diversity that's in there. I I would, before I answer that question, I will answer that. The, the first statement you said about the culture of the school, of how like it was just, it felt homey. This is, that's how I grew up. And what also pisses me off is that a lot of people are like, hey man, this is, yo, you made this. because And they, they would say it, I made it in like a way of like, this is, you know, 
a business thing. And I'm like, I didn't do this because it's business. This is how I grew up. I'm literally replicating how I enjoy where I want to be. Like I live in this community. I don't want to be fucking fake and we're teaching jujitsu and we're all happy dippy. And the second I get out, I'm like this shithead of a person. No, I can't do that, you know? But, um, but explaining that my teaching mentality, uh, this is going to be a very sad comment to say, but it's probably because of the way I was taught jujitsu, right? So nothing against, you know, George, Pablo, Kevin, and every, everyone that taught me, there's nothing wrong with that. But, the older generation, exactly what you said, they would teach stuff and they would just be like, do the way I do. But the conception really wasn't there. I think I would like to say that competing helped me a lot with that understanding without me telling. There's actually a video of me competing online. There's not a lot of those videos, but there's one. And I was stuck inside mount and one of the coaches ran up to me and you can hear him like, Kenny, get out, you're stuck, man. I'm like, and then they're just like, yeah, just push, shrimp. And I'm like, this is horrible fucking advice. And I see it to this day, which I do have a story about, which I don't mind saying in here because that guy should now. Um, anyways, uh, well, and then he came up and was just constantly yelling, just bad advice. And that's when I was older, I looked at that video like, holy shit, that was no advice. But also competing, I was also super competitive. So even if I was stuck, you know, I'd push that didn't work. What the fuck I got to do next? Do I got to ship my hips? Do I got to use my feet? Do I got to hug him? Like, I don't know. But this is, I think you've heard me say it in class. I'm like, experiment. Just be willing to fucking, even if you don't know, just move your body a different way. Try something new. Because eventually, because this is how jujitsu was, right? This, you know how jujitsu was invented? Some asshole, sorry asshole, but just the word, some asshole made up some shit and moved different ways at different points to create these movesets. Delahi was created that way. Wormgar was created that way. Kagar was created that way. Inverting was created that way. Who the fuck said someone to do a b-boy dance, twirl underneath your legs, and then catch, catch honey hole, right? I don't know what kind of ludicrousy you guys or drugs you were all doing to create that, <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. But, the, you know, aside from competing, it taught me to move. It taught me that this is how I have to do it. And then when I went back to class and people were still teaching it, I wouldn't go out of my way and be like, oh, that doesn't work. You know, I would just be secret in my head and be like, I'm listening, but this is how I like to do this. It this doesn't goes, work for me. Yes, it doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. But I don't, you know, you don't, there's assholes out there who fucking go out of their way and be like, that doesn't work that way. And I'm like, just shut the fuck up, man. There's no reason you need to, also if someone's teaching, don't fucking step on their fucking toes. Tell them after class or have a nice, thoughtful conversation of why it doesn't work for you. Again, it goes back to your own iteration of jujitsu. Not everyone needs to be fucking Gordon Ryan, right? Everyone loves to fucking look at like that, right? No one needs to always be like him. I've actually never looked at Pablo Popovich and said, I want to be like Pablo. I've never done that. You know what I've done? I've always wanted to be like, it'd be cool to roll with him and again be like, hey, that was cool. That's it. I never looked at someone and I never went to like, oh, I want to be like Marcelo Garcia or I want to be like Andre Galvao. I've never had those goals or those dreams. And I hate to say it, this is probably what makes me a better person, I hope, because, you know, I, I, it kind of equates to the school. But um, also, I, as I grew up, I also got put in a position of teaching the kids it's not even I got put in a position. I was just like, I was a kid's class and like, Kenny, yo, help me out. So I was like, all right, let's help. Because I like helping, you know, it is what it is. And I realized also too, when I was teaching moves to kids, it was different. 
or vice versa when I was pinning down big guys and they would do a move, some moves would work against me and then I would do that with a similar body type and the person would, a different body type and that person would do the same move but it would work less. And I never said, I never astute it to strength. I was just like, is it because his arms are longer that he couldn't get it out? Maybe his frames are weaker. Maybe the guy exploded at the right moment because I've seen super tiny people do superior results and I've seen bigger people do no results and vice versa. So I guess from that made me realizing also too when I taught people how to be different. Now, I do want to say sorry on this fact. Maybe my first few students, I had the luxury of actually doing exactly what you said of just teaching. And then I had to start thinking about it because I had to compartmentalize how to make better students because I was super competitive and I wanted you guys to win. So how do we make your technique more efficient? And it had less to do with the technique itself, but more understanding yourself of, man, do I have a fucking seven foot wingspan? Do we do, do we do darces now? Do we have a fucking two feet chicken leg and I can't do triangles? You know, so like after that, I was able to, and years of teaching people, I was able to honestly at this point kind of funnel better versions of how to produce a fighter. And I'm also weird because I'm small and I should do bare and bolos and inverting, but I am a big fan of double legging you and driving you into the floor and then doing a scarf crush. And then, you know, the little Asian kid comes out of nowhere and with this 200 pound person and I just crushed all the air out of you and I'm just like <laughs> but you know again I, I can't thank anyone actually for that it's kind of weird to say this I, I this is maybe a little greedy for me to say I cannot thank anyone for my teaching style because it was kind of forced onto me from everything that happened in my life and as a result I guess I'm having because even I look at my other instructors I think Wagner kind of no Wagner definitely does what I do 100%. He likes to explain things and like, all right, if you're like this, you're like that, this is what you do. But majority of other ones, just teach. Which again, there's nothing wrong with that. There's com Comprehending the ability to do that is also a very big skill, which not everyone has. Now, what about the intensity level? Because again, one of the places I went to before here, granted there were a lot of white belts, but, you know, and I've, been around the block when it comes to martial arts and i would leave that fucking gym my neck cranked and you know maybe i hadn't done too badly but it was just people trying to win a role which you know and i remember a black belt coming to that class and saying those very words don't try and win <laughs> your roles this isn't a competition you're supposed to be you know, learning from each other and flowing so what i see in here and i know that obviously there are days where it's more competitive and people are kind of ramping up for tournaments but it seems like the intensity is the same as you hear a lot in striking gyms now. They've gone away from that shoot box mentality, a lot more kind of touch sparring, and then they'll actually get rocked when they're in the cage so they don't add all that cumulative brain damage. But also, you know, when you start brawling, you lose technique. You don't put combinations together. And I feel that's how it is here. Like I just had a great role with one of the, the white belts today. Um, you know, and it was just all over the place. It was tit for tat and, you know, position changes and submissions and it was beautiful. And neither of us have saw or heard as we walked let's, away. Let's, let's, let's attest it to time and place. 
Now, let's just say that if there's the new girl I have to roll with, I ain't gonna fucking smash her down. I want her to move to learn to defend, or even the new white belt guy that I, you know, I don't want to just pin him down. I want him to move. Now, as you get better, I will, of course, up my level. But that's just general speaking from the instructor, which is me, right? I can, I can, t- I can dial knob that real hard, you know, from zero to to hundred if I need to, right? So let's let's use this example. And I hate to say this, let's use Ron. There's days because Ron's been with me for what eight years now, almost, right? And how old is Ron? 62 mm-hmm. that He's man a beast he for yo i feel like my goal is to be like ron and he gives super friendly guy big smile all the fucking time will help you will help anyone in a heartbeat but man when it comes down to rolling <laughs> okay let's put it this way again i said i know for eight years so he steps through this door and I see everyone's faces. I love mannerisms, by the way. Like ticks, mannerisms, how people either like you touch your ear, you move, how you function. Just the way you move is indicative to either how you're feeling, how your day is, what you're thinking, how your stress level is. And to me, I find that fucking awesome. That's part of my minor in psychology too. Major in fail of school though. Anyways, um, when Ron steps through that door, you I look at his face. There's the face of... Hey, and then there's the face of, I need you to kill me today. There's the day, like, I would like to say yesterday was actually a good example of this. He came to class, doesn't talk. I'm going to say hi to anyone right now. Maybe say hi, but you can see that his persona is just heavy, right? Maybe the aura of this person, I can feel just, it's just, it's oozing something. And I'm like, shit, Ron needs to roll today. Now, now what do you mean by roll? Role means, in my opinion, all of this man or woman, because I got some women here, same way, that need to be beat entirely. Now, what means beat entirely? And this is a nice conclusion for some people that don't understand. You can catch a, you can catch a submission on anyone. Catch them off guard, wrist lock them, heel hook them. They don't even know. Quickly in 10 seconds, done. Match over. But this isn't, this isn't a match, right? This is where in the, we're in the school. So even if you tap him on first 10 seconds, that man now has four and 50 seconds to still keep on going out. Yeah, you, you tapped him out. But let me tell you something. You didn't beat that man. That man's still coming up. He's not tired. You didn't make him overworked. What I like to do with people that I see need that for the day, I need to beat you entirely. When you get off that mat or we're done rolling, you're going, fuck. You were overwhelmed by technique speed precision power just overwhelmed in general that you went what the fuck and i also see that in doug doug rackley is also that person i've seen the days where he's here and he comes in and he's like yo let's fucking kill and i've seen that on my girls where danny danny also does the same thing danny maybe had a long work day and she's like yo i want to fucking go at it and it's cool that i can see that because I try to do that for a lot of people. So also saying to you, if there's one day, I, I haven't read you as much. So I was just, James, one day, we want to fucking go at it. You'd be like, yo, Ken, I want to fucking go at it. I'm like, you sure? Just, we got to make that agreement. <laughs> we'll fucking go at it. Um, because that's more like, I've learned that I, I used to always be like that. The whole, let's just fucking kill each other mentality. And that's how I grew up. But I also understood that's not how you have a school. So I've had to learn to dial it down, but to never forget that feeling, right? So yesterday, I think uh, Ron, we rolled, punched me in the eye twice, actually punched me in both eyes. And I was like, God dang it. But I didn't stop the match. I didn't go like, Ron, you punch me, right? We just kept on going. 
And then I, felt, I saw a bunch of more scratches on my leg after the match. And I was like, shit, that's all from Ron. And, and here's the best part. I didn't need to go after the match and be like, hey, Ron, you're the one that punched me. You're the one that made me bleed. It's you. You know why he doesn't need to know that? Because I already knew what that man wanted from the first place. He needed to let go, not worry about someone's fucking safety. Because that's why some people are here for jujitsu. They need a release of their very soul or their very person. And I will do that for you. Like, I'm, I'm bro. I need that too sometimes. And after he caught me like wiping my my eyes and he's like, Haha, one of the girls did that to you. And I was like, you know what? Nope. <laughs> that was you. It and was then, one of the girls. You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he was like, oh man, I should be more in control. And I looked at him and I said, fuck no. Why? Because you need to be in control. Why? We literally just talked about this and we, it was an argument with someone else, which I will not name names. And he's like, this guy has a job that requires him to think all the time. He goes home to kids that he has to now keep on thinking all the time. When he comes here, this should be his only place where he doesn't need to think. Because thinking is taxing. I'll be honest. I know that. I, my mind fucking spins 24-7 on thoughts. I'm like, right now, I'm like, there's a nuclear warhead about to drop and we're all about to die. Or zombies are about to go there and how do I get my woman and get going and hopefully we survive, right? No crazy thoughts like that. But after that, I told him and I said, hey, you don't fucking need to be in control. I already saw you needed to fucking go at it. And you needed to fucking be peeled off that mat. Whether you won or I won, both of us get peeled off that mat because we're so tired to stand up. Because, you know, sometimes there's a role where, you know, you roll and you're good. You roll and you learn stuff. And there's a role where maybe you lost and you're like, fuck. And maybe there's a role where you just utterly beat someone and then you're like, yeah. And there's those rare occasions where there's a role and both of you are on the floor so fucking tired because you didn't want to do a next round. You wanted to give it your all and that's the best part about it. And there's no, I'm sorry. There's no, I hurt you. There's no, you shouldn't have done that to me because that's how some people do in jiu-jitsu and they're like, Egh. and I'm like, hey, I saw what you needed and we did it. And I saw him this morning and super happy. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I see that in, you know, when, you, when you're, when you're striking sometimes you know there's this unspoken agreement and you just I see that too wail on each other um, I think that's even cooler by the way sometimes it's not spoken agreement like one of the Brazilian twins that I yeah. sparred with a while ago it was like twice my size and light to him was I'm gonna try and knock you out um, but then even in <laughs> but then even in like CrossFit you know sometimes you just you know you get heart rate up you sweat you move and sometimes you go to that nasty place and you think you're going to throw up when you're done and i think it's important to undulate and i think that's the key though is today was a, a perfect like middle of the road roll it was it was tiring it was you know technical um and uh you know it was it was fun there's other times where i just get murdered which is a lot and there's times like you said where you know you're partnered with someone who's new and smaller and okay this is me more like teaching now so you get all that different different um variety but conversely like i said some of these ones every single time in that school it's just a freaking you know war of strength and, and all you're doing is getting hurt and you're not really learning anything so i whatever you've created as the environment here you know i mean it's not flow people aren't just kind of you know dancing together it's more than that but it's a level of intensity that is still competitive but just dial down enough to where you can actually use technique versus 
just cranking on each other the whole time. Long story short, there's one guy that always does a choke, whatever choke he has. And I and I always make a comment like, hey, man, you're not choking him. And he's squeezing his head still. And he's like, no, he's turning red. And I'm like, that, that, that that's not a choke still. He's just losing blood flow to his brain because you're squeezing him harder. And he taps. And I'm like, I'll, be, I'll again, not to name names. And I'm like, bro, you know, that wasn't a choke, right? And I look at your partner and be like, can you please? Because you're so scared to be like, can you just tell him that it's not a choke? And he's like, oh, it wasn't a choke. And you just see his like, oh, okay. Does it again though. But at least I told him, you know what I mean? You know, it is what it is. Again, look, this is this is a playground for everyone, for everyone. Now, how you like to play now will be dictated on how many partners you have, right? Do you want to always play at that aggressive rate? You might have just a few people for that. Do you know how to fluctuate that play, the undulation, like you said? Then you'll have a lot more fun with that because you have more training partners and probably your longevity will be a lot better yeah um, which at 48 post fire service is, is yeah. important thank Never you for your is. service by the way <laughs> i enjoyed every moment of it but but yeah i mean that's the thing of the older athlete is i think you can kind of do that fight club mentality when you're 18 and 20 but for a lot of people that are older what the fuck explains ron up, man what the fuck explains ron because i feel like sometimes he comes in here he gives it all wakes up the next day and he's like, let's do it again. And I'm like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. But I (laughs) wonder what Ron was like at 30. You know what I mean? He was probably a... So he had two, you know, he had two daughters, right? I wonder if like, so to all the husbands and wives, just anyone, there's something specific about having daughters. I've realized that if you have a daughter, just you are like more like, (laughs) like you have a boy, fine. Let's just make him a man. Let's do this. Like, you know, whatever. But girls, especially, I think there was one family with three girls. And I was just like, dang, that dad is like like bravado up the wazoo. Um, we used to make fun of our old truck captain when I went to Anaheim. Said that, you know, because he had three girls. And it's like, because oh, no you couldn't sink it deep enough to have a boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There are some people like, we're, we're going to try, 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 try. And you're just like, well, shit. We all stop trying. Um, I'll definitely say my sister more of a brute than I have. I am. I'm like I'm not a. I'm a brute, but man, she's more of a brute. I, I there was one time we were in when we were, when I first came to Gainesville, we almost I almost had a fight at Flacco's Tacos. Just eating a fucking goddamn taco. Some I, something happened. Maybe something is spilling or something. We bumped into someone, and the guy looked at me, and I wasn't even talking to him. I think I was talking to you like face to face. And this guy to my right says something. And, you know, the bar's loud. And I just, I caught it. I was like, wait, what? And so I looked to my right. And as I'm looking to my right, my sister already has shoved this guy to the side and said, what the fuck do you want? And I was like, oh, shit. Mind you, my sister's about a f- half a foot taller than me, wider frame built. I'm older. But God forsake that woman is not to be fucked with. <laughs> um, and she was, uh, honestly, she was probably purple butt level when she quit jujitsu very unchokable like i love chokes i couldn't choke that girl like she we've rolled so much that she's like you ain't fucking choking me um also she had a lot of hair so i blame that too but um it was that it was like something like that that happened and i got a i didn't I get up i just sat down i looked at the guy and i was like ah you fucked and i my and then he walked away and i was like you're gonna start to fight with my sister first before you fucking fight me <laughs> um but well, I want to hit one more topic yeah, before I throw some wrap-up questions yes. at you. Um, I had Tim Kennedy on 
three weeks ago or so. You okay. was UFC guy, does sheepdog. Oh response, yes, 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 yes. Um, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and one of the observations I've made, and this isn't a criticism, it's just purely an observation. Is I don't take anything. Oh out. no, no, it's not aimed at you. Um, okay. Is in this journey I've been finding a school. One thing that's a resounding common denominator is there's people that come to jiu-jitsu, but they neglect the strength and conditioning side. So what have you seen as far as creating that balance between what we learn on the mat, but also your strength and your fitness outside to then, you know, combine those two together? Because I'm not saying I'm some phenom athlete, but there's definitely a, a, a measurable difference between me and someone round one and me and someone yeah. round three or four. To me, this is the misunderstanding what jujitsu is about. And this, yeah, there's, see, this is where it gets a little funky to say, because remember I said, uh, everyone has their own iteration of jujitsu, right? I like that if you are part of my school to be verse in life. Cool. You came to learn jujitsu. Maybe there's five psychos in here that want to just fucking do the best in jujitsu. Which is fine. They're not psych. Well, I'm sorry. I'll call them psychos. They're my more passionate. They're my more passionate people, <laughs> and they're fucking awesome at it. They yeah. have beat so many black belts already, and they're not even a black belt yet. So I'm fucking super proud of that. But I call them psychos because when I roll with them, man, they want to kill me, which is cool. Um, but on that side note of you know what you said, I'm very big on taking care of yourself, and you spout that all the time. You know, like after this COVID shit, like why the fuck no one's jogging, no one's running, no one's eating healthier, right? Like I think you've seen it. I think you saw it like a few seconds ago. I'm like, there's some people here every other day that every morning, hey Ken, I want to jog or sprint, and I entice that like, yo, I got my shoes, we got our shoes, class is over, we're gonna go jog or sprint, and we're gonna do that for a few miles, or we're gonna sprint out there, and there's usually two to five of us just enjoying or. Sometimes when you see me come to class, I'm already soaked and I'm in gym clothes because I went to go lift before class. And I like to promote that to you guys is this this current generation of jiu-jitsu people. Um, every, a lot more people do it and I hate it. They don't, they don't take care of their health. They're just like, yo, just jujitsu everything. We just got to do the motions, neglect any kind of, you know, lifting or how do we not, I don't say lifting, but, uh, strength and conditioning. You know, they neglect all that. They neglect maybe a little bit of a diet. They neglect, um, cardio doesn't, you know, I was like, oh man, I hate cardio. I hate those jokes in jujitsu. Oh, I hate cardio. I'm not going to jog. You know, there's some people that when I'm jogging, they don't even jog. And I'm like, and I, I also now have to go out of my way of, and I realize this because I've been catching myself do this. I'll say stuff, but I'm not doing it. So sometimes when we're jogging, I'm going to jump in a jog because I need to show you that, guess what? I don't want to just fucking, t it's not like the PE coach says like, yo man, we're going to go jog. He's 300 pounds. He's like, yeah, I'm going to sit down in my chair and watch you guys jog. I hate that. I like to be in the thick of it to prove to you guys that this is what we need to do or what you need to do. And no amount of excuses of, man, that guy's stronger. I'm like, well, then why don't you go do some strength and conditioning? I'm not fast enough. Why don't you go do some jogging or sprinting? Hey, maybe my thought process and my thought process of these moves are not fast enough. I'm really slow. Then you know what you're going to do? You're going to find that person and put yourself in that position over and over and over until you do. Right? Instead of having that one roll and you got fucked up, find that person again. Do it over. Or roll them again and be like, hey, can you just put me in that position? I just need to think faster. But you know what? People are not willing to do that because they're fucking lazy. And... I really spot that in my in my program of like, don't be fucking lazy. That little 80-pound girl is working much fucking harder than you. 
right? Or, you know, that guy that's getting his ass whooped, he got his ass whooped, but he, when he went to that tournament, nobody put a dent into that man at all. And I've seen that a lot more, actually. I've been fucking amazed at it. Um, Kate did the tournament recently, did Naga, and she went through all the girls. But when she's here, she gets beat up by everybody, even the girl, the girls. And she's so timid. But when she understood that finally there is nobody that can do anything to her because she's always fighting other people that pin her down, she's like, oh shit, I can do this. And, you know, besides that, you know, in class, usually sometimes end of class, I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to hold a plank. Do it until you fail. Or, hey, guys, we're going to do this exercise. You know, I don't really have weights here, but I do really abide by trying your best to do some form of strength and conditioning. I've probably done less these days, and I'll be honest with you on that, um, just because of, like, I would like to say business reasons where I feel like you come for jujitsu, so I do less strength conditioning. But I do that after class now. So when class ends, like, bro, we're going to go take the medicine balls. You want to work? Cool, stay and work. You want to leave? Cool. But at least I did my due diligence of at least promoting it after class or before class because eh, some people just come for jujitsu, you know what I mean, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do 100% promote taking care of yourself in and out of here but what i really think a lot of jiu-jitsu places don't do is they just don't give two fucks about look long story short anyone in this business the first thing i was taught was hey james cool you want to sign up we're going to sign you up it's a one-year agreement at this rate awesome man here you go and then once you sign that fucking paper and we got you an automatic payroll fuck them that's how I was taught. That's literally what people told me as I was starting this business. Maybe not the term fuck them, right? Just more like done. You got them. Next one. Yeah. Done. Next one. I enjoy talking to you guys about, hey, you know that two weeks ago we talked about it. How you doing on that now? Hey, how's the kid? How's the family? How the fuck are you doing? How's your progression? Do you need work? Another big thing too is, I don't know if you recognize it. I don't do privates. Like I'll do them. Like I don't. I'll do them, but there's no extra cost to asking me that question. There's no extra cost to saying, "Hey Ken, can we roll after class? Hey, can we drill this thing and see how I'm doing?" You know, even Friday. You know the question day. I'm open to all questions. All you have to do is literally ask the perfect question, and you will. You you'll sometimes you'll get. I mean, I think last week or somewhere I was like, "Yo, I'm about to show you guys all one of my like three you know, competition moves just because you asked the question, right? I'm like, yo, don't show no anybody else because no one came to class for it. So like, now y'all learn. But that's, you know, the satisfaction of, hey, you're getting more out of this place than just jujitsu is so much gratifying. And another thought process on this is that as your kid grows up, hey, whether or not he goes to UF or goes somewhere else, awesome. But if he goes here, awesome. Now, hopefully I'm still alive in here. Maybe he has a kid one day. And maybe he's still around the area. I'm like, cool. I hope you choose jujitsu for your kid. And to me, I enjoy seeing that is because to me, that's the real sense of fucking community, right? Where you see other family kids grow up, you know, the passionate of, hey, you know, uh, the guys you've worked with, James, like you, you, you've you been here for a little while now. So, you know, this guy might be an engineer or a doctor or a car guy. And for some reason, the guy overhears your conversation be like, yo, I got you. Let's go fucking fix your car right now. That no thought, there's no trade. There's no, hey, I'll do this, I'll do that for you, like how the rest of the world does. I like how my place is like, there was this one guy that's like, yo, I need a sauna right now. I'm like, yo, go talk to this guy. He's got you, I promise you. Just let him know what you need. Without a doubt, he's like, yo, you just hooked me up. I was like, yeah, he don't even know you that well. But guess what? You better say thank you. 
Mm-hmm. No, it's true. And I've, I mean, the conversations in the back, even the podcast, like, you know, a number of people that, that listen and talk about episodes now. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it really is a community. And it's something I talk about from a mental health point of view. When you're either in whatever profession you're in, you know, it's good to have that other tribe. If you transition out, it's definitely good to have that tribe that you still have. And I, I do think- hate to say this, even though you transition out of here one day, maybe you move or whatever, the resources and people that you've connected to here, fucking invaluable. You know, people I see that they've left, they've left town, but they're still repping out the rash guards out there. They still come back and train. There's a guy that just spent four years away from here, fucking Matt, came back, and now he's a purple belt. And he's like, yo, I didn't need to come to Gainesville. I was to Tallahassee about to go to Australia, but I decided to take a two-hour drive over here to see how the school is doing and just to say hi. Who the fuck does that? Mm-hmm. He didn't need to drive two hours volumes. away, right? Yeah. And it was so cool to see him. Same personality, same guy. And it was so cool to connect. You know, I'm not, this school is not like a, this isn't like a Marcelo Garcia. Oh my God, we all go see Marcelo Garcia. Or we go see, go see, go see Vitor Belfort. Name's Ken. Not special. The school ain't special. But I think the people and the school made it special. And that's when I love when people come back and return. And I'm a nobody. I think that's me to me the coolest part where I don't need to win fucking worlds. I to me I'd like to do local competitions, fucking wreck the locals. That's all I need. I don't need to go more farther than that. And if I do, it's a choice. Um, which I think I actually might do. Don't anyone on the podcast will finally hear it. I gotta start I gotta <laughs> you heard I, it I was gonna first. do an IBJJF too and I was like, ah I always talk shit. But you know, whatever. You know, they need to, yeah, whatever. I'm just complaining now. <laughs> But, yeah, um, well, I, I mean, I drive an hour and a half round trip to come train here, I, so that speaks volumes. I just told someone about you, and they're like, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah, I fucking give many props to this man, and I appreciate the hell out of him. So if I have any way of fucking helping his st- stuff out on his on his side, I'm the first one to be like, yo, James, 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 yo, his podcast, hear that. Yo, you're a, you're a cop or a firefighter. Yo, you got to hit this guy up, look at his uh, Instagram thing. Super awesome guy. I, I, I do my due to anyone that is part, even if one day someone's not part of that school, I still, if you made enough of an impact on me and you have helped the school out and not helped, but just you're part of the school enough, I don't give a fuck where you are. I got you. Yeah. Well, again, it's that community, that family. So. And I hate how people, not, not just jujitsu, anywhere, when they say, oh, this is a very family environment. There we do things with people. I think that's bullshit lies, right? I am here 24-7. Well, this is unfortunate because people say that's also a bad business owner. You need to delegate this to, to other people so you can work less. And I'm like, no, I like being here. I like my students. I want to see them grow. I want to be able to, whatever the fuck comes out of my mouth, it's authentic, real shit. Now, don't get me wrong. I might deserve a time off like everyone does, which I've slowly understood, which I've actually now agreed to myself to take a little time off. But I still want to be here because, like you said, for what I realized about like kids, there might be that moment where you need something, but no one's fucking paying attention. But that's what I'm supposed to do here. Pay attention. And maybe you needed that 10 seconds of talk. Maybe you needed an hour because you've had a shitty day and no one's there to listen because you didn't understand what, I, what was really wrong with your day and you just needed to come to jiu-jitsu to find that out. And to me, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Well, I would love to throw some closing questions at you before we end this. The first one I love to ask, and you mentioned about stopping reading when you were young after you got away with that one book. Yeah. Are there any books that you have read recently that you love to recommend? It can be related to our discussion or completely oh, unrelated. Oh, dang, this is bad because the books I read are just comic books now. Comic books. Um, Which ones? All right, um, Vox Machina. If So I'm a big nerd. I love magic. I love lore, 41K, anime, just like any anything with fantasy-related stuff. One Punch Man. Ty's um, just finished. Has he finished it? Well, he's the whole One Punch Man. So he's tell, big into those. If you have a chance to tell Ty, there's a, there was the old school version where it wasn't a comic book. It was just sketches from the author. And the sketches were way better. And it had all the seasons. And I read all the sketches before it became published into this nice, beautiful art stuff, which is, of course, nicer, I'll admit. But it was nice to fantasize what this monster would look like. But... um. Vox Machina. Um, it's I think it's a dungeon crawler show. There was actually a show on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. And I just I humble I happened. No, my girlfriend humbled happened to stumble on the book, which I fell in love right away because it was hardcover, fucking heavy. Every page <laughs> felt like you were turning like five pages in a row. You're like shit. That's cool. So I'm I'm very I'm a tactile person. So anything I can touch and feel, I'm like, ooh, this is nice. Um, other books I would like to say that really hit home: Tuck Everlasting. Um, that's not recent, but the end goal of well, I guess I'll is it okay to spoil it or do I just say it? Yeah, you should be fine. Okay, well, I'm sure for, it's out there on yeah, all the internet. Yeah, for Tuck Everlasting, I guess why that really hit home was Everlasting Life. Your significant other chose not to wait for you. It wasn't that typical ending. She had a great life. And the guy that decided to live forever was also happy. And happiness is not sometimes together. As much as our romantic thoughts of having and finding our only one love and holding them no matter how fucking toxic they may be or bad, because we sometimes don't know. And sometimes, I, I, I guess... Um, we're taught to, you know, just fix it. Or sometimes you shouldn't. Sometimes you need to be greedy with yourself and be like, well, shit, I think I should actually go do better because this is not good for me. Now, there's also vice versa, right? But, you know, on, on the off occasion, that it taught me that it's okay. It's always okay. No matter good or bad, you should still be happy. Don't, don't, that is bad to think about, but just be happy for yourself. Especially starting this business. I spent, I don't think I've ever told anyone this. Maybe one person. Before I started this business, I thought it was going to be greedy as fuck to open this business. Because there's other schools, there's other people I would bother. And the current students of that time looked at me and said, be greedy. Every single one of you, because that was my biggest fear was being greedy. I was like, am I, not, am I not doing the right thing? They're like, no, be greedy for yourself. And that hit home because it goes back to the whole appeasing everyone bullshit. And I accepted that, yeah, I'm not necessarily greedy, but I need to survive. Um, this is the only thing I got left. I really tried to do school and I spent my last $2,168 on opening up my place. Literally was fucking... For real, James, all my money left. 
I didn't even know how I was going to pay rent of where the fuck I was living. I was like, if this goes to shit, I'm probably going to sleep in this building, which is not professional, but whatever, right? So, um, yeah, that's what I did. And do I regret, everyone always says, you know, good job for what you have. I'm like, don't say good job. This wasn't a good job. I'm still working at it. This is still, this is not done. There's no done. Someone's got to open that door. Someone's got to keep on doing what I'm doing, which I love to do. And it's even weird where some people are like, you know, you should now teach people to teach. I'm like, I'm never going to teach people to teach unless they tell me they want to teach. That's another vindictive thing about this sport, I say, is that they find you find someone growing up in the sport, you teach them how to teach. I'm like, no, I want to find someone that wants to do this. You're going to come up to me and we're going to do this together. Because I've seen the vice versa where they force people to teach and now they hate you or maybe now they have their own school next to you and now this is a whole vindictive shit that goes on. Well, they're just not very good teachers. That too. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. Well, for people listening, if they're in this area or if they're traveling into central Florida, where can they find you online and where can they find the school? Ah, super easy. BJJSwampAcademy.com. As easy as that goes, you know, click the little directions button. It'll get you there. You click also on the last page. You go say, uh, go to class trial. Unfortunately, I don't have a free seven day. uh, I have a one class and hope you like it. Um, But that's pretty much about it. You can call the phone number at 352-284-6563. Leave a voicemail. I'll get right back to you. Um, Or email at bjjswampacademy at gmail.com. Hey, you know, all those fixings and stuff. I'm I'm still again just to verify how bad of a business owner I am. I have a sticker of words that just say BJJ Swamp Academy, and after six years, everyone's like, "Yo, you need to get one of those big neon signs." And I'm like, you know, if you really want to find this gem in Gainesville, you're gonna find it. And if you if it finds you somehow because a friend referred you, or you stumbled upon it because of talking, you were meant to be here. I really I hate to say this, I really don't need everyone here. If you were meant to be here, you'll be here. And that's cool to me. Beautiful. Well, I just want to say thank you. I mean, like I came up here. I think Becky was doing something at UF. I forget what it was now. And so I had a, a couple of hours to kill. So I literally went from gym to gym and, you know, did a little tour. And when I came in here, um, was, you know, blown away. And I forget, I forget what it was, but it took me a few months to actually finally come up here. Um, but yeah, and, and here we are. So I just want to thank you so much for creating this and then for coming on the podcast today. I sadly say to say that I still don't understand why you guys keep on coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I Look, man, we all have to work on our old shit. I'm happy that you are a part of the process. Yeah.